I don't know about you, but there are thousands of things that I have forgotten. I, I mean, I would share them with you, but I don't remember them. For example, I don't remember the, all the addresses where I have lived. Um, uh, and phone numbers. Uh, phone numbers are a problem, especially now that you can store them in your phone. And, and worst of all, I looked up on Facebook, I have 2,140 friends. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> there are times when I'll get up in my, from my chair in the living room, and I, 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 I'm going to get something in the kitchen, and by the time I get to the kitchen, I, I'm sure that's never happened to anybody else here. Worst of all, worst of all, I cannot recall the names of all the teachers I've had and the influence that they've had on my life. So many of them not only taught me, but lived before me faith and led me deeper into my own faith. I can see their faces, but so often their names escape me. There are a few names that I can call, Austin, Smith, Caraway, but there are so many others that are lost to my recall. There are advantages to forgetting. For example, I can watch a movie and I don't remember I have seen it until right at the end. <laughs> I see Gary Swindell saying, yeah, yeah, bye, it's right. There, there are advantages. For example, the particularly painful times in our life, there's something about the memory that softens those, and later we can even laugh about them. There are things that I will never forget. The birth of my children, the birth of my grandchildren, graduations, injuries, losses, the death of my parents, significant celebrations, world-changing events like 9-11. But as important as these are to my life, many of the details are fuzzy. In fact, we'll, we laugh around family gatherings because we'll try to remember a certain event and and everybody has a different perspective, and we argue about what really happened. The saddest part about the human experience is that in the generations to come, much of what and who I am will be forgotten. But friends, I will never forget what Jesus Christ, God's only Son, has done for me over 2,000 years ago. Never. When we see the re real Jesus, we, we realize that He knows our need to remember. He knows our need to call those details to mind on a regular basis. He knows how important it is for us to continue to relive and restate the depth of his sacrificial love 
and to pass that story from one generation to the next. And so on the night that he was betrayed, with his disciples, he took time to mark what he was doing with the meal that they, that they were sharing together. He would remind them of the forgiveness and grace that God poured out through his sacrifice. The meal would proclaim God's love, grace, and forgiveness offered for each of us. A meal that would unite us as brothers and sisters in Christ. A meal where we can leave behind life's burdens and experience God's delight, blessing. This morning, I ask you to join me as we look at another event in the last week of Jesus' life, the Lord's Supper. And as, I, as we finish our, uh, our exploration, we're going to move into Holy Communion this morning. And I pray that these words will give a deeper understanding to the remembering that you might do on this day as we celebrate the Lord's table. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. And Lord, for all the words that I misspeak or words that I don't speak, Lord, I pray that you would fill in the gap so that in spite of me, your word would be proclaimed today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Turn with me to chapter 22 of Luke, and in particular, I want to look at Verse 19, for Jesus knows we need God's love, forgiveness, and grace. He says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And seeing the real Jesus, we, uh, uh, <laughs> he understands our need, that we need to be reminded for what has been done for us on the cross and in his resurrection as I read the book of Acts and as I, as I begin to un, unpack the stories of the early church, it is evident that through all their trials, when they broke the bread and blessed the cup, they remembered Jesus' victory over the cross. In the Lord's Supper, they remembered that all of this is temporary. They remembered how much God loved them. They remembered that none of the things of this world can be compared to the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? None of the things of this world, especially the hard times and even the greatest times, can be compared to the glory that is ahead of us. And so it is with us, no matter what the condition or situation, this meal reminds us that there is more, there is so much more to life. Author Leo Bastaglia tells a story about his, his own family. And what happened is that his father came home one evening and shared with the family that he was going to file bankruptcy. He shared with them that his partner had embezzled the company's assets and had disappeared in the night. 
and that he had nothing left. And as a family, they would be greatly financially challenged. What's interesting is what happened next. His mom the next day went out and sold some jewelry and bought food galore for this huge feast. She called it the misery dinner. Now, the family members <laughs> scolded her. They were not happy with what mom was doing. Why would she spend that money now? This is what she said. The time for joy is now when we need it the most. Not next week, not next month. Her courageous act rallied the family. In those moments, they realized that no matter what happened or how... how how their lifestyle would be affected. They had each other. And the love that they had for each other would sustain them through the hardest times. In the years to come, they would tell the story of the misery dinner. And every year, the week of the anniversary of their father's bankruptcy, they would have a misery dinner and share their love for each other. For they knew that the love they had for each other was priceless. Second, Jesus knows that only God's love can truly unite us. Turn with me now to chapter 10 of, verse, of uh, 1 Corinthians. Verse 17. Uh, as you do, I'll just tell a quick story. Several years ago, I was in Austin. I'd been invited to have the opening prayer for uh, a seasonal session of the legislation down in the, down in, uh, the Austin Capitol. It was an, it, I was honored and, and uh, uh, very excited about it. And, but before I was to, to go to the podium, I spoke to the state senator who had invited me. I said, uh, tell me some of the... Uh, some of the issues that you're going to be dealing with so that I can, I can include them in my prayer. She mentioned one that had been in the news. Very controversial. I kind of looked at her and I said, you know, in praying about this, I said, how many, uh, how many opinions in terms of how the legislature should approach this are there? And she looked around and laughed and she said, can you count the number of noses? That's how many. <clears throat> we are different and often divided in more ways than we can count. And only hear me, for this is for our church, it is for our community, it is for our nation, it is for our world. Only to the divine presence of our Lord, will we ever find unity? Will we ever find unity? Our legislature thinks that they know the answers. There are business and corporate people that think that they know the answers. But it is in this meal that we find the answer through the presence of our Lord. Through Paul's letters, throughout Paul's letters, he speaks of this unity. It is a major theme throughout Acts and in the letters of Paul. The unity that comes through the work of the Spirit 
And friends, it is this holy unity that can give us hope. As brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not, let us not com- so much complain about all that is going on, but let us look to the God who brings unity and hope. Let us look to the God that as, as that love spreads, so unity of the Holy Spirit can draw us together. The Apostle Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians 10, 17. If you have your Bibles open. Um, it says, the cup of blessing that we bless is not a sharing koinonia in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is not a sharing koinonia in the body of Christ. The Greek word translated koinonia is fellowship. Actually, spiritual fellowship. Koinonia is actually a common name for adult groups. We have a uh, an adult group in, in our church named the Koinonia class. It's one of our largest groups. Koinonia in Greek means more than the fellowship that we receive around coffee and donuts. Okay? All right? The word literally means spiritual fellowship. It is a word that describes the holding of common values, beliefs, and love for one another. And it comes only from a divine source through a common faith in Jesus Christ. The cup of blessing that we bless is not a sharing koinonia in the blood of Christ the bread that we break is not a sharing koinonia. Is it not a sharing koinonia in the body of Christ? Paul's affirming that when, when we say these words, when we break the bread and when we share the cup, even if it's just in that very moment, we are united. And my prayer is always that the unity that we have in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice and the price that he paid for us on the cross and the victory that he gives us through the resurrection, that we can carry that unity out into the streets, into our our meetings and into our, our planning, that we would be united with one voice, not our own, but the voice of Jesus Christ. Jesus knows our differences, and all that divides us. And our only hope as churches, communities, nations, and the world is to put our faith in the broken body and shed blood of Christ. It is only, it is only through the love of God that we will become one people. May we pray it and claim it and make it so with our faith. Finally, Jesus knows others need to hear the good news of God's love, and it must be shared with the next generation and the next. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, we have this phrase. Every time we eat the meal, break the bread and bless the cup and share it, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to die for our sins, 
and to set us free through the resurrection. The good news is that we no longer have to carry the weight of this, of this life alone. God is with us. We are not alone. God has given us the church community to support each other, and so God gives us his presence, and we celebrate that unity and that presence as we take this meal together. And Jesus, when we let him, is the bearer of the weight of life that we cannot carry. When we take communion, we are... We are uh, What's the, what's the word in Star Trek when they, they disappear and they end up somewhere else? Beam me up, Scotty. It is as if we are taken back 2,000 years. As we take the cup and the bread, it is as if we are sitting with the disciples. We are hearing their words. It is as if... We are standing right in front of Jesus. We are with him. We are in that place. And that memory is burned into our hearts and into our brains. For we are there in these moments. We are there with Christ as he is with us. And in doing so, we proclaim (laughs) we proclaim for all to see that Jesus is Lord of our life. And when Jesus gets down in here deep, we cannot be silent. Now, now, I want to say this. When we experience the presence of Christ and it becomes a fire in our bones, there are those who... uh, who are able easily with words to share the name of Jesus and to witness for him. And that's a good thing. But then there are others that are not quite as comfortable with words. Their opportunity is to share the, the word of Christ and, 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 and the sacrifice and the victory of Christ to the way that they live. So others may see it and know it, and want it. The question for us, then always, is do others see Jesus in us? Do they see the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control of Christ's fruits? Are we so moved that our words and deeds cannot be silent? For me, the Lord's Supper, communion, is a special time of becoming one with Christ. It is a special time of of becoming one with you, I pray. And and in these moments, what, what my goal always is to invite Jesus into my heart again as the in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup as I take that bread into my mouth I remember how much God loves me I try to feel that love to feel that forgiveness to feel that presence 
to know the sacrifice that he has given for me. And when I take the cup, when I take the cup, I want nothing to separate my heart from what God is trying to pour into me through his blood. God is offering us victory. Will we take it? Would we reject it? For even though we think we know what's best, we all know that there is one who has the future in our hands, in his hands. And so when we remember in this meal, we remember that Jesus knows how much we need his love, his sacrifice, his victory. Jesus knows how much we need the unity that comes through the Spirit. Jesus knows how badly we need to, to let go of our burdens. For communion is a time of reflection, a time of recommitment, a time of unity, a time of setting aside those things that separate us from God. And, and I have to admit that the hardest thing for me is to let go of those things. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, I mean, come on now, be honest. Nobody's raising your hand. Come on, it, it's hard. And, and I'm not talking about money, okay? I'm not talking about when, we, when I say letting go the things of our life. I'm talking about, for, for me at least, things like my guilt, anger, disappointment, pain, stress, anxiety, fear. And it's even harder for me to let go those things that are important to me. It is even harder for me to put my children in the hands of Jesus. My grandchildren, it is even harder for me to put my job, my responsibilities, my compulsive need for success. <laughs> what if I let it go? Will, will, will <laughs> So here's what I do. And most of the time when I come before the Lord in communion. And I invite you to do the same today. I lay everything at the feet of Jesus. Everything. I do everything I can to trust God, even with the most important things in my life. I remember... In the breaking of the bread and the blessing of the cup, the price that Jesus has paid for me and the offering of his victory. And it is necessary for me to let go of those things in order for Christ to pour into me. And, and so what I do is this. I, 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 I have it in my brain. I say, okay, I can let go of this for these moments. Okay? At least for these moments. And so I invite you to do the same today. Just for these moments. In the daily 
devotional book for emotionally healthy spirituality. There's a, a scripture there, and then there's a devotional there. Um, it addresses the scripture. And a um, few days ago, uh, it may have been last week, it told the story of a boy who grew up next to a, a, a fast-flowing river. And he dreamed of the day when he could cross that river to see what was on the other side. He knew that he was not strong enough to, uh, to, to navigate the currents. But he, he learned every intricacy of building a raft to get ready for the day when he thought he was strong enough. When he reached manhood, he said, now I'm strong enough. He, and he built a, a raft. He spent so much time and energy and, and detail in it. He put it into the water and he was able to navigate the currents. And, and when he reached the other side, he looked at his raft and he said, you know, I spent a lot of time and effort on this. I don't want to leave it behind. And so he strapped it to his back and carried it with him. Ironically, he never again had a need for that raft. And yet, that raft kept him from climbing to vistas to look across the beauty of creation or climbing a tree or running a race or even at times getting close to people because of the massive load that he, that he was carrying around on his back. At one point in his life, he was so used to what he was carrying that he didn't even notice it and didn't realize the beauty and the delight of life that he was missing. In a moment, we'll be remembering what God has done for us through Jesus, experiencing the unity of the Spirit as it moves among us, proclaiming the good news of our salvation. And if only for a few moments... Take that raft off your back. Cut the cords. I mean, afterwards, if you want to drag the raft out with you, that's okay. But just see what God can do in these moments. So start now.